The following is a conversation with Brendan Valentine, currently lead project manager and strategist for Airlock, which is a part of Space Station Gaming. He's also worked for Space Station for four years. Space Station Gaming is a professional esports organization competing in Rainbow Six Siege, Rocket League, Halo, Smash Ultimate, and Apex Legends. Airlock is an arm of Space Station that focuses on building quality events and live production experiences for their audiences. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Competent Content Podcast, and a special thanks to Brendan Valentine for this conversation. If you want to learn more about Space Station Gaming or Airlock, you can check out their website at spacestationgaming.com and airlock at airlock.gg. And you can follow Brendan at V-A-L-O-R-Y-Z-E on Twitter. Thank you and enjoy the episode. All right. Well, I guess we can go ahead and get started. Um, I guess if you just want to do like a little background of like your name, what you are, what like what you do, where you kind of come from, all that kind of stuff in, in kind of the esports industry or your background, you can go as far back as you want or more like recent things. Just kind of give a rundown. Cool. Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to keep it brief. Um, I'm Brendan Valentine. Um, most recently, I'm lead project manager and strategist for Airlock at Space Station Gaming, our events and live production arm, which has been a cool new adventure. Um, I've been working at Space Station for about four years now this month, which is crazy. Uh, and I've been a student the whole time. And I don't recommend it, but if you can pull it off, it's worth it. Um, but yeah, I, I joined Space Station in, I think, my sophomore year of college. Um, wow. was, I was probably, I think, one of the first seven or eight employees at Space Station Gaming. We were super, super small then. Very chaotic all over the place in a fun startup way. Um, and I came on to do, originally, brand consulting for a toothbrush company they had partnered with. And we were running the Instagram and marketing for this toothbrush brand, which was kind of a wild challenge and fun project for a while. We even planned out like a whole Instagram grid where all the the thumbnails overlapped and it looked like one complete piece mm -hmm. when you looked at the grid, which was fun. Yeah. But we ended, we ended up parting ways with them. And then I got brought over to Space Station Gaming where I worked on some partnership sales. And I spent most of my time on community management, planning events, working with our creators to do streams, um, working on all kinds of other just marketing initiatives we had and trying to make sure that we're building a fan base, but also taking care of them at the same time and managing that relationship effectively. Uh, which is a hard thing to do in esports sometimes in, in really any industry, truly. But from there, that went kind of well. And I got to build our community team, which was cool. I got to bring some people on and go bigger and go harder. And we got into hosting events. Um, and from there, we kind of realized that events and tournaments could be an opportunity to, to diversify. Obviously, any good esports team these days is diversifying outside of just having yeah. teams and videos on YouTube. It's not going to cut it anymore. Um, so as I was going into my first year of graduate school, we're like, hey, let's start a company. Why not? Um, so we kind of went into it very ballsy, just bold and trying to figure out how can we make events unique? How can we do it different? And the initial vision was really just how can we put on events that really connect with the communities they're for? And then how do they also feel much more curated and personal for the people that you're partnering with to do it? So we tried to partner with creators in a way that wasn't hey, we have this event and we want you to play in it. Mm -hmm. And more of, hey, we want to put on a cool event with you. What ideas do you have? What would be cool for you? What would be true to your brand? And how can we make an activation out of that that feels authentic and exciting? Um, and since then, we've had a really successful first year. We got to do an event at TwitchCon. We got to do it live, which was really cool. We built a MOBA in Minecraft. Um, and then we had a month-long oh, Twitch Rivals cool. League <laughs> of that afterwards. Yeah, really, really cool project. 
Um, and actually, yesterday we wrapped our project for Halo and HCS, doing a twenty-five thousand dollar Halo tournament using a live studio environment with cameras and casters in person. We'd never done that before. We'd only ever done online. Boy, was that a ride! Um, we've been working on that since August, so it was, it was really exciting to see it Long happen. Time, but yeah. yeah. That's my short story. I, I went to college for, for marketing and strategic communication, so I kind of jumped into esports hoping to do stuff like that, working with brands, working with communities, um, and now I'm kind of leading the charge on the strategy for, for brand and marketing for, for an event company and our client services. Cool. So kind of a fun question I had. Spe- speaking of, like, you know, you just had the Halo event. You guys wrapped it up yesterday, the, the Spartan Snowdown is what it was yeah. called, right? yeah. Have you ever gotten to wear the space station halo armor? No. Um, we, we, we got that a decent amount of time after I left Utah. I, I moved out of Utah uh-huh. a year and a half or so ago. Truth be told, I don't want to wear it. It, oh, really? it okay. looks, it looks I like I would get sick, so but... hot. It's so cool. I think it's one of the coolest things we've ever done. I'm comfortable in my own clothes. Cause, okay, cause cool. once you put it on so quickly, you can become like, the guy who wears the suit and then anytime. Oh, okay okay because like, we needed hey, someone <laughs> tall enough right like yeah. if you were too short it wouldn't fit right so i sure. i respectfully steered clear i was like i got i got stuff to do i can't do that um it would be cool to do it once for sure but i get mm-hmm. a little claustrophobic and stuff like that i don't know if i'd love it <laughs> cool yeah that was just a fun question i, I was like i was yeah. thinking of i was like do, do they just like let people that work there be like hey can i can I put on the suit? Kind of funny like, story, actually, for a few of our Halo events, actually, we had the brother of one of our graphic designers wear it. He didn't even work with Space Station, but he was like just the right height and yeah. super excited about it. And he had a great time. So we just let him <laughs> keep running with it. And he had, he had a like, complete blast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I guess if he enjoys it, you know, yeah, let him run with it. That's fun. That's fun. Um, so Space Station's kind of really big in the Halo space, but I guess with like your role doing like, community engagement management kind of stuff like that and not like what you've done before events yeah. and kind of doing things now outside of like the halo event you guys just run what else are you guys doing in terms of like your other games are you guys more focusing on just like halo for right now or what's the it's your- yeah i mean it's an interesting time for teams right because the competitive scene isn't enough to grow an org it isn't enough to grow a successful fan base you got to have more than that so yeah. i think especially now more than ever we're doubling down on really investing in the scenes that we're in and becoming tight with them and building those close knit community relationships like we are with Halo. Um, mm-hmm. And nowadays more than ever for an esports team, right? It's it's important to be in the right games to grow, but you also need to not be burning $100,000, $200,000 a month just to do it and see no yeah. ROI. Not to say that's what we're doing, but a lot of teams are doing that. Like Valorant right now is a big money burn for a lot of people oh, because yeah. of how inflated those salaries are. So for us, like we have our eyes on games that we would like to get into. Um, but we're smart enough to wait till we have the proper capital to do it. Um, or at least make sure smart, we have it allocated smart. wisely. So, so for us this year, it's all about it's events, it's community, a lot more behind the scenes content. Like just today, we threw up a recap video of behind the scenes of what it was like to run that Spartan snowdown stuff we haven't done before that really brings oh, the fan base into who we are, who the staff are, what it's like to do this job. Cause I think not many people get that perspective from big esports teams. Like they'll post some BTS highlight reels. That's usually about it. It's been really cool to see our videographers or editors or graphic designers build their own little subset of an SSG fan base because people love their work yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah, And I, they just want to get to know I them. Like that. Jared has done a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So I love, yeah, yeah. For this year, I think 
in the next couple of years, that's what's really big for us is like get into the games we want to be in, but also make sure that we're really taking care of the ones that we are in. Because far too many teams expand their team roster to eight, nine, ten, and then only the top two or three get posted about, thought about, and everything else is neglected because they don't have the resources to take care of all of those communities and build truly meaningful relationships with the fans that follow those teams. Hmm. And it ends up being, in my opinion, not a super great investment, right? Like, yeah, you might be break even. Yeah, it might be great to be in that league, but if you're not tight with the fans, if you're not monetizing that relationship, and if you're not making it feel like it's worth it to the people following you, why do it? You know, if if they don't feel like you care about the scene, it's going to show. The fans can read that. And I think that's a huge reason that us as a smaller org consistently outsell people at HCS events, consistently get told that we're one of the best orgs in the game because we take a different route. We're here to be y'all's friends. We are fans just like everybody else. And there's no... There, there, There is a brand consumer relationship, but there's a deeper level of that where we're all just excited to kind of be supporting something cool and building something slightly unique that's a little off the beaten path of what it means to be an esports team. And I think that's really what the core of our strategy is, is not necessarily to be unique, but how can we do it a little bit better? How can we do it more authentically? How can we hmm. really, I think a, a phrase I've driven home a lot in the past years, how are we rewarding fans viewers consumers time how are we rewarding them for their time and energy that they're investing into this brand why is it worth it for them and the more you can answer that question the better positioned you're going to be and i think we're getting a lot better at answering that question yeah i I definitely agree with that i think it's like esports has that kind of unique thing where like the people that are watching and participating like including the audience usually like plays the games they follow the players like religiously and sure that happens like in under other sports but like yeah. they who knows in the audience some of them might be just as good as some of the players so like they get really like invested in that and they kind of look for that like that authenticity like you said that yeah relationship that I definitely think when I've looked at Halo stuff as a, I'm not as an avid follower of HCS, but like, yeah, um, I'm learning to, I'm new to Halo and, and yeah. But like, when I look at it, I recognize space station. I see the content they put out and I'm like, this is not what other people do. This is cool. Like this is, this is like yeah. personable. And it feels like, like you get back to kind of like the core that we're just a bunch of gamers at the end of the day that are looking for a community kind of like surround yourself around. So I appreciate that. I, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out what their fans want rather than just being a fan themselves and thinking through it. Like that was a big thing yeah. with the Snowdown Halo event this weekend is we set the goal of like as minimal be right back screens as we can and just roll funny, unique robot chicken style sketches <laughs> and red versus blue style stuff and videos yeah, that we made. I mean, that, we, yeah. I think we made like 50 plus shorts just to run in the in-between time of that broadcast wow. and people loved it. And that, like I said, rewarding people's time, right? Don't make them sit through a fucking countdown on a screen. Make some funny videos with inside jokes, things that tap into the community, things that people know about, running memes, and leverage that. And the the response was overwhelmingly positive. It, it meant the world to us because we weren't sure how it would land. You know, some people mm-hmm. are like, yo, F this, like get back to the games. But I think that's a good yeah, there's example. Always of, some. There's always some haters. <laughs> yeah, if if you care and you're a fan of the scene, you will know what to do because you will know the jokes, you'll know the memes, you'll know the culture, and you can create from that. Not everything needs to be a fancy 3D animated hype reel. Sometimes it just needs to be authentic and funny, and that'll hit 10 times better. Yeah, like the kind of, I guess that is both 
quality and quality, but quanti- quality over yeah. quantity, like not focusing too much on the production aspect of all it has to look crisp and clean. And just like at the end of the day, like some of the most successful streamers or orgs are just like, you know, the players personally, it's not yeah. over the top and sure, but it's still fun to do stuff like that. Have kind of that production to it, but yeah. And it, it all depends on how you define quality too. You know, you can have the nicest filmed and edited video out there, but it can still be tone deaf. You know, some of, some of the videos people love just on that broadcast were like super low effort, us staff fucking around in Halo Forge, just coming up with a weird thing and making an edit. And people dig it. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be hyper 4K, <laughs> hype, real fancy cuts. Like I think defining what quality is is important. And sometimes it means thoughtful content not necessarily like highly produced even though you want to shoot for both at all times Hmm. yeah that's fun all right i guess uh moving on what are some of your favorite esports and why it's tough i i'm an interesting esports fan where for me i almost have to like enjoy playing the game to get behind it yeah and even then I, I've never been into sports. I'm like the weird kid who like never got into any sports. I don't watch the NFL or the NBA or anything. I can appreciate it. Like I'll go to games and all, but yeah, when it comes yeah, to I esports, I think my favorite for a long time, not so much recently was Rainbow Six, especially because we played in that. Rainbow Six Siege was a game I played on launch day. Getting to work at Space Station Gaming when we won the world championship was like a surreal moment. That must um, been a good feeling. That's yeah, that was a really rare opportunity that even if you work in esports, you don't often get is to be on the world championship team for an esports league. And that was really, really, really cool. Um, I got to be there in person when we won U.S. Nationals in Vegas before that. So Rainbow Six Siege was big for me for a while because it was a game I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rocket League is doing it better than pretty much anyone else in the game, though. Um, they crank viewership. They have a strong international audience, which is hard to do. Like, Call of Duty is a big franchise league and has really failed to effectively leverage an international audience in any way. Rocket League is pulling that off in a way Mm. few other people are. And there's no franchise fees. It's the most watchable esport in the world. No other game can you sit down a non-gamer and they'll know exactly what the fuck is going on. That's a good point, Within the first five minutes. Because it's just just soccer. It's just fucking soccer. That's a very good point. And I think Rocket League of all games has the highest potential ceiling, aside from maybe Riot. Riot's a different breed. But Rocket League in particular, I think, has the most potential to go mainstream because it's watchable above all else. Like, a non-gamer can't sit down and watch LCS and know what's happening. They can't watch Valorant and know what's happening. Watching Overwatch, even if you play it, is still a clusterfuck because there's so many <laughs> particle effects and shields and ability. Like, it's, it's chaos. There's a lot of stuff on the screen, yeah. 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 Rocket League doesn't do that. And the viewership they pull is already beating out multi-million dollar franchise leagues. And there's no entry free other than having a team and doing marketing. I think RLCS is doing exceptional. I love watching Rocket League. It's tense. It's exciting. The matches are quick. So you get that instant gratification of like, oh, that game's down. Like, let's roll it again. Rather than like a drawn out 45, 50 minute round of a game or something like that. You can get in other places. So Rainbow Six and Rocket League are high on the list for me. Call of Duty used to be my favorite. I got into esports when I went to MLG Anaheim 2017. I hate to admit it. I love Call of Duty. The CDL, the franchising, it killed it for me. Can't be a yeah. fan anymore. I I was really into the 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 open bracket and the the ability for teams to show up. Like E United coming to their first event and winning was insane. Rest in peace to them, by the way. Great org. Really sad to see them go. Um but I think Call of Duty for me 
died when it became the franchise league. I'd gone to a few events and it was always really exciting to see what random teams would show up and win and kick the pro team's ass. That's always fun. The underdog. Yeah. <laughs> I went to, I went to CDL worlds this past summer in California. It was good. It was fun to watch, but when it's the same franchise teams and there's not as much, I don't know what I'm looking for is the word, but there's, there's, there's less upsets, right? It's the same teams that are franchised with the same players that you've been watching for the past six years. Like, yeah, they're fun, good games, but there's not much variety. Um, I think Halo's really great. I, I really enjoyed getting into Halo this past year. I'd never really played it or gotten into it previous to Space Station diving into it. Um, a lot needs to change for Halo, but I think it's a really good esport and it's fun to watch because as far as FPSs go, it's I think it's easier to understand. The long time to kill gives inexperienced viewers the time to comprehend what's actually happening, whereas a Call of Duty match, like people are dead before you even know they're looking at them. Yeah, <laughs> kind it's, of thing. it's really fast, yeah. Slow time to kill helps a lot with readability for first-person shooters, and the very basic, like, red versus blue helps people understand what's happening. I think it's a good viewing experience, and esports engine's done a good job. Um, that's my take. I It's slightly biased because it's the games we're in. The last one I'll say is I think Apex this year really stepped it up for what it means to be a Battle Royale broadcast, the command center, and being able to watch each team's POV. Mm -hmm. Game changer. That made it infinitely better to watch because I could not stand watching Apex before that because it's like, is our team even alive? Like, are they still in the game? No one fucking knows. (laughs) Gosh, BR sounds so hard. Like, like, how do you do that? Especially with like something like Warzone or something, it's 150 people or like... yeah. I don't know how 50 squads or something like it's ridiculous, but yeah, um, I've heard a lot of good stuff about apex and them stepping it up. They've really crushed it. I, I think I struggle to watch a lot of other esports is because working in the industry and now, especially working in events and broadcast, if it's like not well formatted or is there something wrong with it? It's, it's, it's upsetting. I can't enjoy it. It's the same way where if like, if you take a film class and learn about film production, oh, you can yes. never watch movies the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that so much too. I get so yeah. picky about quality. Like if, I, if I'm watching a movie at home and I'm watching it through uh, other means uh, yep. and I'm like, no, I need to like, I want to watch it at higher quality. Can I like plug yeah. my computer in rather than like streaming it over whatever? It's like uh, Even just learning about like what goes into film editing. Like I, I almost can't enjoy half the Marvel movies anymore because I'm like green screen, green screen, green screen, like bad VFX. Like it's, it's painful. Yeah, um, yeah, and the same applies to esports broadcasting, though. In tournaments, is like once you've worked on the back end, it's so much harder to just kind of take it at face value and think it's cool. And not to say that they aren't entertaining or they're not good, but it's made me, I guess, pickier in what I enjoy because I'm I much more appreciate when they do it really well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd I'd say Apex, Rocket League, and and Halo are really great. Rainbow Six is still really great. It's just lost a bit of the hype and the and the and the mainstream awesomeness it's i feel like it's not quite as relevant these days but they've always done a great job especially on their stages like the the world's invitational stages setups they always did were gorgeous yeah i always find it interesting how i feel like gaming and esports are so different from traditional entertainment in sports where like if anything i don't know if the nfl or whatever is technically growing i don't really know those numbers but obviously it's not like dying in north america but like you could say some games obviously the hype goes up and there's always a plateau and then it starts to go down the viewership goes down and maybe it kind of hits like a base point and unless they change something it goes back up but it's like obviously i remember when i was younger like the only things i like i can remember like dota 2 and i can remember like counter-strike and watching Mm. esl and like 
even like Counter Strike's also very watchable. I will give them that. Yeah, and it, it is. I agree with that. I like Counter Strike a lot. But if you look at like I I don't no, but I've heard people talk about Counter Strike in North America is obviously like different, way lower in viewership now, and it's moved on yeah. to kind of like it's really popular. I think in like Europe and Russia, big and that, time over there. Even it's South kind of the same America thing with Overwatch. Still, yeah. yeah, Overwatch Two is like or now with Overwatch Two, it's like I think it's kind of had a rebound, but like Overwatch now is like lower in north america but it's huge in asia it's huge in asia oh yeah oh and yeah. so i i don't know if you've ever kind of like thought about that but like how like you're kind of talking about like teams looking elsewhere but like is there any kind of thing you've noticed of like how a team can stay relevant or like is it something to based off of the players or like now people a lot of teams will sign like creators you know even if they're not or like kind of personalities or i don't know just kind yeah. of anything like that if you have any kind of insight as like why that why stuff like that happens or yeah i think any thoughts a lot of that was a clear question are, but... <laughs> kind of it sounds like you're asking how teams can really build a strong following or community yeah yeah sure yeah? sure yeah that's kind of okay. where i'm going with it yeah or maybe how they do it wrong but i think a lot of teams are now learning you can't buy that Right, I think the best way to characterize it is we would, we just watched Luminosity say goodbye to XQC, right? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck did he do for them? <laughs> you know, I like absolutely. Most people didn't even nothing. know. I think that he was with they Luminosity. Were, yeah, it's the best example that of what we see a lot of times in esports. It's like, oh, if we sign this team or if we sign this creator, we're gonna be set. Like we'll be tapping into this community. It's like, no, you will exist in that community, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna give a shit. And I'm not here to toot anyone's own horn, but I think that's a good example of, this is a good example of how we did Halo, where we got into Halo, and then we really got into Halo, right? We did Halo-specific merch, we signed the creators, we did events, we did tournaments, like, we, mm -hmm. there was a, there was a community survey out this year that said, like, oh, what was, like, Halo community moment of the year, and one of our tournaments for Halo was up there, because people were so passionate about it, that meant the world. You see a lot of teams that get into scenes, and all they do is they sign a team, maybe a few creators from that game, and that's it. And then maybe they'll throw a couple tournaments with sponsor money that's left over from their budget for the year. You know, the, the Lexus so-and-so 50K Invitational or Doritos or whatever, right? Yeah. But that's about it, right? Like, aside from those few things, a lot of teams don't do much more, right? Sign the team, sign the creators, maybe do some events. And that's about it. And I think it goes so much deeper where if you really want to succeed, you have to learn what matters to these communities. What are the memes? Who are the people that are relevant? What are the running jokes? What kind of social media content do those communities like to consume and why? You got to understand truly how to cater to them. And then you got to either create products or create content or create moments that connect with that community, whether it's doing stuff through your Discord and having activities or activations for them to do or putting out content with the creators or players or stuff like that. Like people are doing the things, but it seems like oftentimes there's not a ton of strategy behind it. You see a lot of esports teams doing very similar stuff and not finding great success. Um, I think there's a lot of good ideas out there. Like this, like the, the, the subscriber, like loyalty programs with cloud nine Stratus or liquid plus, like, I think those are really cool. I don't know how successful they are, but I, it seems like they're doing a good job making those valuable for the people. Um, but I think it's a simpler question than people make it a lot of the time is you really got to take the time to give as much of a shit about that scene and that game and that esport at the mm -hmm. level that your fans do. 
And it's hard to do that. It takes time. It takes research. It's not as simple as just like sitting down and doing it. Sometimes you have to hire people who specifically possess that knowledge. Um, but I think that's what it comes down to is you, you can't treat all esports equally. If you do the same community building strategy for each game that you're in, it's probably not going to succeed very well because each community has different ways of doing things, different things they like, different kinds of humor. It really varies. Like Valorant, for example, is much more competitively oriented in terms of like the content people consume. It's a lot of like tips and tricks. Here's this clip I hit. Here's how to hold this site. Whereas there's other communities that are a lot more just like, look at this crazy thing we did. This is cool. This is interesting. It's more casual entertainment style content and understanding how to hit those demographics is really important. Um, I know space stations learned a lot over the years of how to do that. I think we've had some, some moments where we did it great and some where we did it poorly and that applies to a lot of people, but ultimately I think to succeed in this area, to do it right, you, you gotta be a fan at the end of the day. And sometimes that means forcing yourself to do it. But that's what it takes, right? Like you're running a business in that space. You're probably not going to find many people working at a football team who just don't give a shit about football. There's definitely some. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but to really understand it, to be a part of that community, you have to have that passion. And you, you can it helps, create yeah. it. You can do the research and play the game and learn it. I've met marketing executives who never came from gaming but are working in it now and make time every week for a certain amount of hours to try and play different games so they know what the fuck that's they're good. talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's, it's part of your job. And I think a lot of teams and people in esports take it for granted that they come from this world and they don't feel like they need to do that level of research and effort and learning. They're like, oh yeah, I'm a gamer. We're just getting into this game. It'll be fine. But they've never played it before. And they don't know the people who work in that scene. They don't know what those people like. So you, you, you got to make time to learn really. And admit that maybe you don't understand that scene and learn how you can, because every community is different, right? You, you can't compare smash to apex and do them the same it just it won't work mm. so yeah i think i think that's where a lot of teams trip up right there's not a big staff roster but they want to get into all the games and it's hard to effectively hit each of them the way you want to sometimes it's just a staffing thing or a time thing if you need to get content out and put posts up and work with players like sometimes there's not enough time in the day mm -hmm. but then you got to make the time <laughs> you gotta you gotta give time for your staff to do that or whatever because fans can smell bullshit a mile away is what it comes down to. Get a good intern. <laughs> Get a good Seriously. Intern. Yeah. I think like Sentinels, for example, did an excellent, excellent job with that in Valorant over the past year. The little memes, the image posts, the graphics, like it was very simple. They weren't going crazy. Sentinels mm -hmm. has a small staff roster. I love the memes. <laughs> yeah. Especially but, the, I don't know if you saw the thing recently, but with Shazam, but yep. uh, that was... And then I saw the other teams and I was like, oh my God, what is going on? This is crazy. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Um, <sighs> I think the guy who led a lot of that, Zach, he, he works at Hunter Thieves Socials now, but really, really smart, right? It wasn't crazy. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't 50 minute documentaries. Sometimes it was a single PNG image and a caption, but they knew what the, what the fuck they were posting. They, yeah. they knew it would hit. So I've always like wondered like, what? Esports is like as an industry is so raw, and I feel like I've had a hard time like separating myself because obviously, like I'm a student. Besides, like me wanting to like work in esports and work in gaming, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I also am looking for a job when I graduate. It's a lot. There's a lot more opportunities at like an advertising agency or a creative agency or a yeah. bigger company, etc. 
But like, obviously, I've always wondered. Like, I, I see people on social media, especially within esports, the teams, the organizations that are very like, I don't want to, maybe it's not the right term, but like edgy, or just they say something that is like, obviously, I feel like another employer would be like, why are you posting this or whatever. But I feel like it's it's so weird that it's like I even see people who are working for big organizations say thing, and I'm like, that's fine, okay. And I think it's cool because like it's like authentic and it's personable yeah. and it's who they really are. And I don't know if you have kind of any experience of that personally, but I don't know. Like I guess when you were working at Space Station, has anybody ever been like, let's look at this guy's social media? And as long as it isn't like super crazy, but if it's not like also too filtered, if that makes any sense, like what do you think? In about terms that? of like a hiring process, you mean? Yeah, sure, but like I just mean like if somebody was like I don't know making I don't know, just posting stuff that's like oddly like I don't want to say like sexual or something, but yeah. like or just as like maybe like a little too on the uh edgy point, was making fun of things or whatever, but like some orgs or or whatever, I'll see them like say or even like casters or analysts, they'll just like they'll make like a joke and it's a joke and it's funny, but I'm like, you know, I feel like if I were to apply to work at like a fortune 500 company they'd be like hey you can't like say stuff like that publicly and work for us i, I don't know yeah if you, if you get what i, I think mean, but. i think it's because depending on the industry you have different things that qualify you as a respectable brand and i think in a lot of traditional industries a lot of people are afraid to say things that would come off as offensive or controversial because of the demographic they serve right it all comes back to the audience mm. if your audience likes that stuff lean into it not yeah, in a way that's okay. going to damage your brand or hurt people's feelings or actually say something sure. problematic or harmful obviously but there's a lot of room for good tongue-in-cheek content and i think what it comes down to is in a lot of traditional stuff people don't want tongue-in-cheek right like you don't want your health insurance company making jokes about stuff like that right you don't want <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> you don't want apple being tongue-in-cheek about your your privacy or your data but in esports it's gamers. We're a bunch of shitheads who make jokes and we say dumb shit. Like I, I've even been playing Mario Kart with classmates of mine recently and being a gamer, like if I get hit with a blue shell or whatever and she goes wrong and be like, oh, fuck me. Like shit. Blah, blah. I hate the blue shell, bro. Yeah. The blue shell so and they'll much. turn to me and they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm like, <laughs> it's just gamer words, dude. Like you don't understand. Like this is, it is yeah. what it is. Like I'm not mad at any of you. And it's, it's yeah. a culture thing, right? Yeah. Like people read it differently. And if you know your audience, you know how to leverage that. Um, <laughs> like we had a really goofy skit I didn't see coming for our Halo broadcast yesterday. There was a running joke that a certain player, and I think it came from him actually in the Halo community, like drinks his own pee or something. I don't know how it started. <laughs> but we had, a, we had a sketch where some guy was about to drink lemonade and had his name on it. So like so-and-so's lemonade. And he's like, I think that's his like, and says, it says piss, but we cut it off after the P and that's the end of the sketch. And people yeah, lost yeah. their minds over it. They thought it was like that's the funniest fucking funny. thing they've ever seen. And it's, 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 it's a big company making a P joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's just toilet humor. But depending on the audience you serve that content to, the response is going to be infinitely different, right? You change the demographic by 10 to 20 years older and they'd probably get really pissed. So it works in gaming because they know the demographic they're feeding is, is really where it, where it comes down to because it's not going to work for everyone. And there's a lot of companies where it won't work for them because it's not their brand identity. It's not cool or funny to be edgy. It just makes you look unprofessional. Um, 
but in gaming, I think there's a lot more, a lot more room for being traditionally unprofessional. And I think specifically in esports because you're trying to build a personality, I guess, for lack of a better word, these brands have personalities. Yeah. Um, but you don't see the same thing with even like broader gaming companies like Activision Blizzard isn't making risky tongue in cheek jokes on their Twitter. You don't see Razer getting super edgy and risque with their stuff. Like the April Fool stuff is funny, but it's interesting because when it comes to consumer products, I think there's a different vibe of like you expect quality, you expect consistency. And if for whatever reason their marketing doesn't necessarily convey that, it could be concerning. But for mm -hmm. esports teams, you just need to be cool and not have shitty merch. And usually you're good. You know, like as long as the teams are winning and the content's solid, people are with it. And the funnier and edgier you are, the better. I don't know how Wendy's got away with what they did. Doesn't seem to fit their demographic oh, at dude, all. I love that. But they dude. did it. I love that. Gosh, there's yeah. that. They, I don't know if they were the first one, first big brand like that to do yeah. that, but they were definitely the one that people remember. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that was that's great. a good example of like, sometimes it doesn't need to fit, but I would also argue that it still drives back to audience in the end, right? Because that's a Twitter audience. The Twitter audience is so much different than say their Instagram audience or their Facebook mm. audience. So knowing what kind of content works on which platforms is really important. And Twitter's I don't, a fun place, yeah. I'm not a social media guy. I've never worked in social media, so I don't claim to know the best practices on any of this. But as far as I can tell, it comes down to knowing the platform and what resonates with the users. And then even on a deeper level, what resonates with your audience. And in gaming and esports, it seems to be haha funny pee joke or other dumb <laughs> shit like that because that's just the humor that exists in our world, you know? Can I quote that? Haha funny pee joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, continuing on with that, what's like some organizations or teams that you think are doing really well in the esports space and why? Or maybe like if that's, if you can't pick like one or maybe top three or maybe what one that, you think could uh is maybe not doing enough or something like that but i would say first step to this question is how are we defining right are we talking about teams that are making <laughs> money teams that have good marketing teams that have good like esports strategy because i think a lot of teams do there's a lot some of, of the things well but not all of them well you know i'd say even though i would love to talk about the business side of it i want to think more about like you personally you think are like killing it in terms of like their marketing, their like their brand presence, yeah. their like fan engagement, building like an audience. Like you, like for example, like you talked about Sentinels, which honestly, what popped in my head was is like, I don't really know where Sentinels came from. I know I've kind of like looked at their obviously when I've been looking around at different esports brands. You know, I look at their LinkedIn, yeah. their website. I don't even think they. I think they do have a website. There's not much on it, but yeah, looking so they, at the people who founded it or whatever, it's like hard to follow, but they still do have this massive social media presence, massive following now yep. because of what they built up. So kind of just speaking on like their presence and their like community engagement and like the fans or whatever, what do you think they're doing brands or yeah. esports brands doing well in that aspect? It's tricky. I was, I was thinking about this earlier when you sent me these questions, because my first initial answer, truthfully, is I don't think anyone's doing it right because I don't think anyone's figured it out yet. I think a lot of people are doing some of the things right. Like 100 Thieves has an amazing brand, mm -hmm. super recognizable, amazing merch, <laughs> killer <laughs> content. Yeah, like I, I know a lot of amazing people who work there and do incredible, incredible work. But I also think that over time, 
their brand identity has somewhat shifted, right? After the layoffs, after posting new jerseys for sale, and they, they let people go on the same day, which obviously circumstances happen. I don't think that was ever intended or planned. But I think they've started to somewhat alienate some fans by being the cool high-end brand, but also laying people off. And that looks really weird because there's a lot of good people who got fired, but they still do so many other things well, right? They can pull tons of people in a crowd almost anywhere they go. There's no argument about that. Um, but then I would also say like Sentinels, for example, excellent social media, amazing content, super strong brand identity. Like whenever they post an asset or a video or a graphic, you know, it's coming from Sentinels. But what I find interesting is how all of this online success translates in person, right? And from what I've observed, it's not a hundred percent transferable. And this is again, not to be a brag, but a lot of these Halo events I went to space station sold the most merch. Space Station had the busiest booth. And we can't touch any of these teams on social media. Not even close. Because they have much more widespread popularity. But I think what translates in person is the authenticity. Mm -hmm. Having a cool Twitter brand doesn't make the in-person experience good. And I think people are starting to realize that as esports becomes more and more in person. Like, I adore Sentinels and my friends who work there. They do an excellent job on their booths. They look amazing. They're not as busy as they should be, though. Knowing how Sentinels does on socials, I would have expected their booth to be, like, swamped. Because their merch is cool. They had cool, like, custom 3D-printed Halo guns and stuff. And it was relatively quiet when there wasn't a signing. And I think that's important to talk about because what I would define as true success doing it right is when you can convert all this online hype and reshares and memes and this into in-person and monetization. Granted, maybe it's just not a lot of Sentinel fans those events if it's a valorant event it's probably very different um but that's where i return to like i don't think anyone's doing 100 percent right i think team liquid for example is also really strong super strong brand identity some of the most unique merch yeah, in all of these sports yeah. yeah like their collabs with marvel for example are like so fucking cool i bought some of their naruto line i think they're doing amazing um but again how does that translate into the back end, the PNL, the bottom line? How does that translate to in-person? Um, as much as I like to meme on FaZe, I think they've done an excellent job. They're, they're a crazy brand that came from this tiny, like, Call of Duty trickshotting sniping thing to one of the most recognizable esports brands in the world. Mainstream people will generally know FaZe Clan before they know any other team. Just because yeah. of how well they've done, no, and there's a lot of change now too. So yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of things that can be said about Phase's business or strategy that aren't good, but I like to focus on what they do well, which is being super recognizable, super yeah. mainstream, accessible, and just getting their brand everywhere. It's it's impressive, um, and I don't think anyone else has been able to achieve that level of just like everywhereness that they've done. They had a collab with Beats. Who the fuck else has that? Like that's so cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. That's so super recognizable. Yeah, but then again, phase booths at all these Halo events, pretty quiet. And it makes you wonder why. And it's because I don't think they have the same level of authenticity and com community connection because it's such a big, big monolithic brand with these big creators. You never feel connected to them. You always feel like you're behind a glass wall. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people are doing it right. I mean, you name any of the big esports teams, they're there because they're doing something right. Like TSM doing some really great stuff. I think they've always been always been extremely strong in the competitive area, right? Like they might not be the funniest meme org or they might not have the coolest merch in my opinion, 
but they're damn good at almost every. They had that crazy like league era for a while, I think. Right. Yep. So that was yep. like what that's where all I like, remember is like double lift and Dyrus or Dry. I always forgot how to say yep. his name. But uh, um, I'm also a big fan of NRG. I think NRG has done one of the best jobs with content and community and really just keeping good accessible vibes. I think they're really cool dudes um, and dudettes and whatnot, obviously over there, but I think they've done a really great job. Andy Miller's a super smart guy. San Francisco shock is a killer brand and they've done really great in overwatch league. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think with any team that has found proper success, there's a lot of things they're doing right. And there's a lot of things doing wrong because esports is still so young that the book hasn't been written. Right. If you go to a lot of other yes. industries like tech, there's some pretty clear, pillars of what it means to do tech marketing in such a correctly because so many people have done it esports is a lot more undefined we're kind of in that second wave where a lot of the passionate people have started the teams they're finding success it's big but nobody's really hit it properly like major big time full mainstream accessibility like fans everywhere global sensation kind of deal yeah there's a little bit of that kind of with Ninja, but like that was, was not say, a Ninja's team, right? The closest, and even the then, mainstream home home name kind of a little bit. He's a lot quieter now too, though. He's doing great, but the viewership is not what it used to be. It's hard to retain that, even though like he just did that sick merch collab with the Detroit Lions, for example. He's he's doing great. Um, my buddy works on his team, and they do amazing amazing work. But I I like to be sure that when we talk about these things in esports and gaming, that we never prop anyone up as the gold standard because i don't think anyone has it figured out and i think everyone's making mistakes in different ways Can always because be yeah everyone's trying it, yeah. different strategies but nobody has it figured out i can't look at any single team and across the board say like they're fucking crushing it and maybe that applies to almost any company nobody's perfect but there's nobody i can think of off the top of my head where i wouldn't be able to find things that could be done better that other teams don't already have like everyone's kind of doing something right where there ever others are doing it wrong and vice versa. So yeah, I haven't thought about it like that. I've definitely thought about it from the perspective is like, what's my favorite who's killing it regardless of how they're doing business wise. And yeah, but yeah, that's a, that's a good way to think that, but yeah, some teams I appreciate their social presence or their in-person presence or just like the fans Yeah, or and that's partially what builds a brand identity, right? Like if you're just hardcore competitive and that's your demographic, like cool, run with it. You know, Sentinels basically only posted about Valorant for like a year and it was a massive success. That's great. But it also silos them. A lot of eggs in one basket, right? So yeah, it can be fragile. Yeah. There's give and take to all of that. Um, and granted that all goes into defining your brand identity and some of it is intentional. Um, but I think the ones I named are doing a really good job. 100 Thieves is undeniable. Team Liquid's undeniable. I think G2 is also great, aside from the Carlos weirdness. But I think they've done a really cool job of being an EU org that's also really present in NA. Not a lot of people have been able to do that split region thing. Like Gen G has tried to do NA and Asia, and they've done it pretty well. But I think they're doing a lot better in Asia than they're doing in NA. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of like Navi and those kind of like CS league, like kind of orgs yeah. Valorant orgs that are just in europe or even now south america central america that are just like yeah. people don't know here anyway that was a long answer but I hope no that was sense. a good that was a good answer you gave me a lot to think about just kind of re-evaluate my perspective on it um so being that you work you've done a lot of work in events you know touching on the spartan uh snowdown event you guys just did kind of like the planning that goes into that where'd you draw like 
inspiration from that? Do you pay attention to any of those like kind of like creator events that's kind of been a big thing? Like, you know, we had things like the Creator Clash or like Ludwig's game show, XQC's yeah. game show. There's all these like kind of companies like you talked about Airlock that, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's becoming this thing now where you're talking about like bringing that physical in-person presence from like the online, even talking about phase, even though they're this massive, yeah. you know, recognizable brand, they were not the most had didn't have the biggest presence at the halo event. So like, how does that kind of work? I guess I like kind of maybe touching on this event that you guys just run, like, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, Anyone who wants to succeed should be researching everyone else who does what they do and taking notes. We we watch tons of different broadcasts and events and link that in our like Slack of like, oh, I love this bit of this broadcast or this feature that they did or this specific piece of content. Because that's how you win is you take bits and pieces from people who are doing it right and try to mix it together in something unique and do it well. Um, like a good example with our snowdown is the whole idea of like, as minimal be right back screens as we can. Cause we sat down and we looked at a lot of halo broadcasts in particular and other ones. And it fucking sucks when you have like these great games and analysts and they're like, cool, watch a 10 minute <laughs> countdown. Like <laughs> that sucks. What, what a way to guarantee viewer exodus from your stream. Nobody yeah. wants to sit and watch that. If the, at best they're going to mute it and do something else. And if you're in person, it's even more annoying. So we're like, how could we alleviate that? Like how much content could we create to cram into that dead air? and create a show, like a proper show that people want to watch. And that was kind of our guiding light for that. It's like, how can we make this as entertaining as possible and reward viewers for their time? And that's kind of how it manifested. Um, I can't take any credit. Our content team, Pookie and those guys came up with this idea to do like this new station vibe with all these videos. So I, I definitely can't take credit for doing that, but it, it's a lot of planning and it's a lot of research. If if you're just building your own vision and running into a wall head first without looking around, you're probably not going to get super far. But I think people will find a lot more success if you can humbly admit, A, what you're doing shitty, what you're doing wrong, where the fuck ups are and fix them. But then furthermore, look at the people who are doing it better and learn from them. The biggest thing you can do to stunt your own growth is not learn and not admit that you do things poorly. <laughs> So many people miss out on growth and success because there's there's pride in the way. They can't admit that they suck at something. And I think that's something that we have in, in space at Space Station and Airlock is we're really good at admitting we did X, Y, and Z poorly. Let's not do it again or let's do it differently or let's find out where it went wrong and fix it. Um, whereas I think a lot of people sometimes focus too much on the positives. Like here's all the things we did great, great and this went well. Let's double down on that. And then you end up having a bunch of things that could have been addressed or fixed that might've been simple fixes. Like we got a bunch of praise from the Halo community for changing the color of the Spartan shields in the game for observers to match the team colors. So it was more observable to see who was what. They were like so fucking hyped on that. They're like, yo, HCS, you gotta do this. And it was, it was a simple change in the settings. It was just a small thing of like, could this improve the viewer experience? Mm. Yes, okay, let's try it. And people loved it. And... I think that's where it really comes down to is analyzing your own work for the shitty parts. Um, there's a really great thing I learned recently, and it's, it's something called the survivorship bias, basically. Um, and it's based on this thing where back in World War II, they used to take planes that returned from war. They'd be like riddled with bullet holes, and they would do studies of like what parts of the plane didn't get shot up and which did. Let's put a lot more armor on the parts that didn't get shot up because those are the important ones and protect them, right? 
these are the planes that came back. This must be the part that you have to protect. The parts that got shot up aren't important. But what you really got to do is analyze the opposite, right? Is, okay, how can we protect the rest of this? Where are the enemies shooting and how can we protect against that, right? So you actually want to armor up all the parts that are getting riddled bullets. So when you look mm -hmm. at it from a perspective like that with projects is like, don't look at everything that went well, look at the plot holes, look at what went wrong, look at what maybe didn't work or was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, vulnerable mm. and improve that. Don't just double down on what seems to be working or getting you through, but analyze the whole piece of the process. And if there's things that seem vulnerable to issues, address that first. I don't know if that made sense, but I think it did. No, that, that did make sense. The survivorship bias thing was interesting. Just because look it up if you're ever curious. It's no, very neat I, way to look at things. Well, I immediately was like, wait, wouldn't you want to armor up the things that are getting shot? <laughs> I was like, this doesn't make sense to me, but huh, that, I'm definitely gonna look the, I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, um, here. it's a type of sample selection bias that occurs when an individual mistakes a visible successful subgroup as the entire group. So okay. essentially viewing like the few things that worked as the entirety of it and not considering all the stuff that might have not worked well is to sum up kind of what I was saying. Yeah, I feel like knowing what we know now, that doesn't sound like the best plan of uh, attack. <laughs> <laughs> this, hey, let's keep, he's not ignore where we fail, but, or ignore yeah. where we fail and just focus on our, which I, I guess it is just based off of your scenario. But It's natural. A, if stuff works, you want to double down on it, right? But you got to work against that tendency. Mm, mm, yeah. So, um, what advice would you give to somebody like myself? That's a, well, you're also a student. So, uh, a young professional, somebody that wants a career in esports yeah. or just gaming that's like looking into it. Any kind of like just general advice, maybe something relation to like a, building a portfolio or a resume or just like personality or even like yeah. how to find jobs. Cause usually they're not like posted in the similar places like. LinkedIn or Indeed yeah. is like kind of other places? Um, that's a big question. It's very that loaded. That was a big but question. The, the first thing I would say is don't start in esports. Go work somewhere else. Work in a different industry, whether it's an agency or something else or tech, or if you want to do, you know, graphic design, go work in a, a creative house. Don't fucking start here. Because <laughs> a lot of esports companies don't have proper onboarding, HR, processes. Like, everyone's still kind of figuring it out. And even the ones that do have it mostly figured out, still not perfect. Yeah. Go build your experience somewhere else. Don't fucking start here. I did that. I don't regret it, but it sucked. I will say that. Um, grinding unpaid and random gigs with esports was, like, really shitty. No one should do that. If you go work elsewhere and build up a portfolio or a strong resume or projects you've worked on, you're way more likely to get work here, especially if you're a gamer, because you understand the culture already and you have real skills. The biggest thing people fail at is like reaching out to people like myself or teams being like, oh, I'm looking for my first job in esports, blah, 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 blah. We don't want to hire these people. We want to hire people with skills who we don't have, have to train. <laughs> yeah. And it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's the right thing to do if you want to work in this space, but it's a really tough space to get your start. Yes, and yes. you'll get a lot more valuable experience elsewhere with companies that have proper HR and systems. And you'll learn how to work across different departments, manage projects, budgets, whatever it is you're doing. You'll get exposure to all the same stuff that you own esports. The work's not different. Marketing in esports, you're doing different stuff, but it operationally isn't that much different than marketing somewhere else. Yeah. And that applies to a myriad of things. Go get experience. Go make yourself valuable. 
then come to esports. Especially now, as companies are getting more and more built up and serious, they're not going to hire inexperienced applicants. Um, if you've done that, if you've done step one, you have a decent resume, you've got a couple, few years of work under your belt, then is really the networking piece. Find people who do similar work that you want to do, or maybe a few years down the road, like a few roles above what you want to do. Guarantee you every time, if you're a student, here's the hack. Reach out to people and say, hey, I'm a student at so-and-so studying this. I'm really hoping to work in a role like yours one day. Could I get 30 minutes of your time to just ask you about what it's like to do your job and how you got there? Most of the time, people will say yes. Even people you thought never would. Don't ask for a job. Don't ask for their yeah, don't you ask know, for hiring. Pro don't fucking ask them for anything. Just express interest in their knowledge and their journey and ask them valuable questions about how you can learn from them. People are way more receptive to that. I randomly did that with Andy Miller, who owns NRG and all that. And I got to talk to him. We had a whole phone call because I wasn't asking him for anything. And he was just down to talk about pe people love to talk about themselves. Yeah. Do yeah. that. People love talking about themselves. Um, just make time to talk to people. Ask them for information. Don't ask them for favors is the best way I can put it. Nobody's just going to hook you up with an interview because you're nice. Because guess what? 20 other people have asked for that. Get to know them. Get to know what they've done. How you can learn from it. And if it's genuine conversation and you're not a fucking weirdo, usually they're down to talk to you again sometime. And if you can follow up that call <laughs> with an in-person experience, like you see them at an event or something, yeah, huge. Get the connection, cement it in person if you can, huge. Because in esports, everything is digital. If you have the in-person connection, you're like way more likely to maintain that relationship and be able to make something out of it. Mm. Yeah, you literally just, you're literally the, uh, I don't know if I gave it credit in my DMs too, but you're literally the reason why I'm here right now also interviewing you was because you got me to get in touch with Nabil at AOE. Then I also, Great like, dude. I talked to him like a year ago and then yeah. we kind of stayed in touch over email. And then I got to go check out the office and like just hang out with him for like an hour or two. And he yeah. kind of like showed me some stuff and then I got him on the, the podcast. But if this, none of what, none of this would have happened if I initially hadn't saw your tweet like a year and yeah. a half ago or something about just like, Hey, if you want to talk and you want to know what it's like to work in esports, just chat. So Definitely. thank you for that. Yeah. And it's a, what you were just describing is exactly what I did. So, yeah. Um, and I think the other part, a lot of people overlook, do the small things, tweet them on their birthdays, congratulate them on getting engaged tell them their dog is cute. Just do, do yeah. all the little dumb friendly shit because people watch their Twitter notifications. And if they're not a big influencer, they're not overwhelmed. They will see your response. And if you consistently do that for six months to a year, and then you see them at an event, they're gonna be like, Oh shit. I know who you are. Like we've only had good interactions because you're not weird and you're not asking me for stuff. What's up? People will talk to you. Just that's my best advice. Don't be a fucking weirdo. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know that comes off like really blunt, but like, don't ask people for shit and don't be weird. Don't reply to their tweets asking about if they're hiring. No, find out where their jobs are getting posted. Don't ask the person. That's not their fucking problem. Um, but that's the biggest thing is just be present and be friendly. If they stream, pop in once in a while and say hi. If they, if they quote tweet a project they work on and say they worked hard on it, tell them they did a good job. That stuff goes such a long way. Um, just being present and being a friendly person who clearly gives a shit about what they do that will translate over tenfold when you eventually meet them in person at an event or a networking thing 
no one's going to be your friend. If you're like, Hey, I DM'd you like a year ago to see if you were hiring. Cool. <laughs> Who are you? Like, fuck, sweet. I think like so everybody everyone else. starts out there almost. And then they realize, or hopefully get some advice before they go too far down the rabbit hole that it's not exactly the best way to go about things. Yeah. And Bill really got that across to me. And so of you is like, you know, and even other people that have kind of been like mentors or, or figures to look up to in the space. It's just like, being being very present and being like authentic and the, you know Nabil yeah. said he's got a good bullshit meter when somebody's just like I want a job it's very obvious it's like and sure like tr trust me I would love to work there or work here but like that's not the reality of things and yeah. also along the way I just you know like meeting cool people and like talking and learning and yeah and I think about it that way the overlooked part of the long run process and playing the long game is you'll get to know if these are the kind of people you even want to work with, it might yes, seem like someone's yes. doing the work you want to do and they're cool, but maybe the more you keep an eye on them and interact with them, you realize maybe they're kind of a butthole. Like I'm not saying this is anyone, <laughs> yeah. but it's also for your purpose. Like you should be figuring out if these are the kind it of goes people, both ways, yeah. company culture that you want to be in. Cause I know a lot of esports teams that I think they have like a sick fucking brand and they're doing a great job, but having talked to people, I know I'd never want to work there. And that's mm -hmm. not because they're doing a bad job, but it's because I understand what that experience is like. The and I think people undervalue that. Be more picky. Choose if you want to be there and get to know people so you can make that decision. You're never going to know if you don't, right? Yeah, interviews go both ways. I've always That's something my mom's always kind of gotten across from my dad. And I was like, that is true because there was a couple of interviews I did in high school and I was like, I don't think I want to work here because I remember having like a manager and like an owner having an argument in front of me during my interview. And I was like, uh, hi, <laughs> I was like, I don't, maybe I don't want to work here, but anyways, um, I guess we can go ahead and like kind of wrap things up. We're reaching an hour. Um, there's like anything you're looking forward to where people could find you, maybe anything you want to shout out that's going on or, um, Sure. If if you ever give a shit to find me, it's Valorize, V-A-L-O-R-Y-Z-E on most everything. Um, the best thing I can say is get educated and add value. Those are really, really important. And make friends. Just be friends with people. Don't worry about the end product. Um, we have a lot of cool shit happening with Airlock in the next year. Um, Airlock GG on Twitter and at Space Station. Lots of really, really cool things in the pipeline. Um, feel free to, to keep up with us. Keep up with us if you're interested. Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Competent Content Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to continue to learn more about the gaming and esports industry and all the behind the scenes, be sure to follow it on your respective platform. It's available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thank you again so much for watching. Also, be sure to check us out on our social media at Comp Content TV. Stay tuned for more episodes, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.